Welcome to the Public Sector Marketing Show, a podcast for government and public sector marketing professionals who want to level up their digital marketing and social media knowledge, skills, and strategic thinking. And now, welcome your host, Joanne Sweeney. Hello and welcome to episode 43 of the Public Sector Marketing Show. As I reflect on the final last days of 2021, it's fair to say that public sector communications has undergone quite a transformation this year. COVID-19 has continued to remain steadfast in our society, but public sector organisations and governments have remained as steadfast with their public health regulations and restrictions. We've continued to work from home, you've continued to engage with Citizens Online, and you have pivoted to the world of digital and all of your emphasis on marketing has been digital first. So coming up in today's show, how has communications changed in 2021 and what can we expect next year? Looking ahead to 2022, I'm saying that it's showtime for public sector marketing as you need to do more content planning and more strategic planning around your messaging. I speak to Alexandra Kuzmanovich, social media manager of the World Health Organization. She is no stranger to this podcast, but she rejoins us to again to reflect on the year gone by and the lessons learned from COVID-19. And I want to give a final thank you to everyone who has tuned into this show, but also to the people behind the scenes who've made my vision a reality this year. So stay tuned for the very last episode of the Public Sector Marketing Show in 2021. In today's column, I want to talk to you about why the public expect their public services online. Consumer behaviour has changed forever and over the past 2021 months, the public have had to shift gear and they've no longer been, you know, going into real retail stores, walking into your public sector offices to find information and speak to a staff in person. They've gone online and they've totally embraced the digital age. And it's now time for government and public sector agencies to follow suit. We can no longer have a monopolistic mindset. We can no longer dictate how the public hear from us because if we continue to act in that way, that is going to alienate the public. One of the big trends this year was that sort of separation of public trust and government. Fractions began to emerge driven by social media and disparate groups. And that is going to continue, I fear, next year as people perhaps disagree with further COVID restrictions. People are trying to learn to live with the pandemic. That's probably now an endemic embedded in our society. And it's causing real angst and it really is splitting the public. So my suggestion for you is to bring your public services online and try and get closer to the public by leveraging the technology, the big data and the software apps and tools that can help you scale your messaging. So how can you really embrace public service comms from the public's perspective? Well, messaging is one of the easiest ways to do it. We have the, the government of India as one example. When I spoke at the Facebook Government Digital Transformation Summit a couple of months ago, there was a representative there from the government of India and exclusively their public comms was done through WhatsApp. 
highly accessible, being used by the public every day. It's free. It's got low bandwidth. And they said that without WhatsApp, they really couldn't have managed the extent of the COVID crisis that they faced. And we know in India, where you know it's a, it's a poor country, the vaccines haven't reached everyone, that their challenge was massive. But for me, it gave me a great insight into how our mindset and our culture, perhaps in the Western world, that we can't use apps such as WhatsApp or Messenger because of privacy concerns. Well, let's look to other jurisdictions who are really proving to be innovative. Another consideration when it comes to the public asking for public services online is really that breadth and that depth of content. Social media is great. It's great for discoverability. Um, it's great for bringing traffic to our website. But we cannot put all of our digital eggs into the social media basket. It is not owned media. It's rented media. We are at the mercy of the algorithms and with any change, our reach and our engagement can fall. So what the public are maybe expecting from you is lots of long form content in the form of long form video, long form text, long form audio. So consider your approach in 2022. I really do think we need to be a little bit more discerning about how we approach our digital comms next year. I'm not recommending more is more. Potentially, I'm recommending that less is more, but certainly to be more strategic and to lean into long-form content. Level up your digital skills by taking our diploma in digital marketing, plus gain an industry qualification. Use the code DIGITALMARKETING20 for a 20% discount. Visit publicsectormarketingpros.com. In today's consulting segment, I'm suggesting that 2022 is showtime for public sector communications. Now, you might think that, you know, I've gone crazy with the New Year celebrations, but in actual fact, I think that this would be a very clever strategy for government and public sector agencies to embrace in 2022. Listen, you can just take a leaf out of my book and how we create content in this way and how we repurpose it. It's strategic, it's engaging, and it's in line with current trends. You also get to create evergreen content. So I'm suggesting that in 2022, you consider creating your own show. Let's think about the types of content that is trending right now. We've got video content trending. We've got mobile epic content trending. We've got podcasts and audio content trending. And people are still reading long form text-based content online. All of that you can get by creating a single show. The other benefit by creating a show is that it's owned media. And I mentioned this in a previous podcast. Owned media is so important. And if you kind of direct your resources to creating a show that is cornerstone content, it will make sure that it's hitting all the strategic marks throughout the year. You can plan it in advance. You can batch produce it. You can repurpose it so it sits right across the social networks. And you can create episodic content that is fitting in with consumer behavior right now. And they can follow themes over three or four or five episodes. If you don't like the word show, then don't call it a show. Call it a series. Call it a, I don't know, a feature. But what I'm saying is the concept of a TV show 
or a social media show is one that is definitely worth considering. And we do have a number of organisations that are, are taking that on. Our next guest, Alexandra Kozmanovich, can talk about the long-form content that they're creating, and they do that in video form, and then it's repurposed. You have other organisations like the Marine Institute that launched a podcast series this year. That was their first step into it. And you also have other organisations in public health. Uh, in Northern Ireland, we have SouthPod, and we heard Ruth Rogers talking about the value of that podcast for their internal comms as well as their external comms. So, question that I want to pose you before we finish for 2021, is 2022 going to be the year of your show? A one-stop shop digital marketing and social media resource. Join our Membership Academy for 12 months. Access a library of how-to videos, template strategies, and organizational policies. Monthly live coaching. Attend webinars with subject matter experts. Meet and network with public sector pros from across the world. Use the code MEMBERSHIP20 for a 20% discount. Visit publicsectormarketingpros.com. I'm delighted to welcome back Alexandra Kuzmanovich, Social Media Manager with the World Health Organization, to the Public Sector Marketing Show. Before I launched this show in 2020, I had little episodes that I was pushing out from my home office on YouTube, and it was COVID-19 crisis comms conversations. And Alexandra was one of my very first guests. And she's come back on the show and she spoke this year at the Public Sector Digital Marketing Summit. But I thought it was fitting that we invited her back for the very last episode of the year to reflect on the year gone by, but also to look ahead to 2022. So I really hope you enjoy our conversation. So Alex, it's great to have you back on the show. I remember I was just saying to uh, our listeners and our viewers that when I started the COVID-19 crisis communications conversations back in April 2020, you were one of our first guests. I mean, unfortunately, we're still talking about COVID-19 in a, in a crisis manner. But as we reflect on 2021, what have been your learnings? Because the World Health Organization are very much front and center of, of all media still. Thank you, John. And um, I'm, I'm also pleased to, to be back and to be part of the conversations. And thank you for all you do to uh, share the knowledge and, and experience among uh, public health uh, institutions and social media experts who work for, for different public health institutions. I think uh, this network is important and it's important for us to keep talking and sharing all, all our experiences as most of us have very limited resources. So um, we need to rely on, on this network and on, on each other. Um, and as we are in pandemic all together, we are also in, in all this misinformation and challenges together. So we, we really need to uh, work more closely together. And uh, speaking then of, of lessons from 2021, um, I don't think this is something new, but it's definitely being embraced throughout the year and throughout the pandemic that honesty is the, the best vaccine against misinformation and disinformation. So in whatever way we use social media and, and provide information, the most important thing is um, to, to stay honest um, and to present things as they are. Sometimes it is very challenging, in particular, as knowledge is evolving uh, but this is why it's important as well to follow our audience, their needs, their concerns, and to be timely and relevant when we provide them with, with an answer. And sometimes that is tricky 
if you don't have a clear answer or clear knowledge, how to already provide an answer. Um, but I think then going from a lesson to lesson, then that um, live features is something that can help us with that. Uh, because it provides us opportunity to elaborate that we don't have one line answer as for example tweets are very short format of, of writing um, so if it's hard to put something in a tweet we can use uh, Twitter spaces as a, as a feature that evolved in this year um, and is growing so that the experts from the organization or whoever the guest is can elaborate more and address uncertainties and unknowns so i would say that all these lessons somehow are connected uh from being honest and truthful uh but also trying to be timely relevant and then embracing innovation and the new features or tools that platforms are providing us with um i think definitely um the more we go and use social media we need to focus more on engagement and community management and two-way communication, not just posting information and leaving, leaving it out there. Th that is a huge uh, challenge for organizations like WHO that has millions of followers and a small team. Um, or even if you have a small following and a small team, um, it, the challenge is there how you really then uh, build community and engage and respond to everything that they write back to you. But it is something maybe for us as a community to explore together, um, share learnings and, and tactics that we, that we are maybe testing in, in this regard. And I think I have been saying this um, a lot that for us, all the progress we've made in social media and this openness to embrace digital technologies has come from a strong leadership support and understanding the importance and power of social media and digital communications. On the other side, we are aware what are the downsides when we have misinformation and disinformation as well spreading fast. But we've also been empowered to, to work with platforms to address these. So all the lessons that we've learned and the progress that we've made, you need to have an, an enabling environment and leadership is key to that and look in particular, I'm speaking here about the public public sector. And the World Health Organization remains front and center of national, international, global media. But one thing that you mentioned at in this interview, but also previously at our summit a number of months ago, was the size of the team. And this is something that comes up time and time again. And I'm going to actually do a piece of research in, in the new year around the average size of comms teams in public sector? Because I, I really do feel that you guys are under-resourced, but the expectations on your shoulders are huge. Can you just explain the size and the makeup of the, the team at the World Health Organization? Um, I mean, I must say first that WHO is a huge organization, but we cover an enormously huge number of subjects, any health subject that you can imagine there is someone in WHO working on it. And quite often there is maybe a one person running the whole program. When we talk about scientists or technical uh, experts, uh, some programs are bigger, of course, but just to stress that there is, it is not just a comms shortage um, of resources, it is across the, the organization. And I think it's common for the whole public sector. Our team is indeed small, um, it expanded in during the pandemic, but it's still a small team for the demand. But I think 
what is important then is really to, again, embrace the different skills and talents that we have in the team. Um, also to give freedom to those talents to test um, interesting stuff with new features or with new platforms. Um, of course, we would like to have more people and more time uh, to test more things, but um, we are still in the middle of the pandemic. So there are things that you have to do on a day-to-day basis. So, um, yeah, I think there is a big challenge and we would need more resources to do more. But on the other side, the teamwork, uh, the trust in the team, and the trust in into skills and professionalism of each team member is really important uh, to maintain presence of a, such a high-profile uh, organization. And so when it comes to scaling those skills within your organization, is it your impression that your colleagues are eager to learn new digital skills so that they can contribute to social media? And is that something that you recommend for other organizations? I mean, definitely, um, besides professional skills or like a uh, degree in, in communication or digital communication or something else, um, th- there is a personality and different type of uh, preferences for different tasks. Um, and I mentioned, for example, using live features. So some people prefer to be behind the scenes and to do the preparation and to do the research, uh, to do analytics rather than being out there and being an interviewer. So um, we also need to uh, ensure that the tasks that people do, they are comfortable with it uh, and not that there it has to be a must uh, for everyone to do everything. Of course, there should be opportunity for everyone to try new things and to try different roles. But if people don't feel comfortable with it, then it, that is also fine. There is there is enough work for everyone um, to to do to do something. Um, so I think my advice for other organizations would be as well uh, to embrace talents and um, and skills, but also um, to be aware of different personalities and ensure that team members do things that they feel comfortable with. Because if people, for example, go on camera and they don't feel comfortable with it. Um, probably there are higher chances that the, an error may happen. Um, and then if it goes live and millions of people hear it, you still need to fix that error. And so it, it's also that your team enjoys the work, but it's also reputational risks that you uh, can prevent. So as we look ahead to 2022, what are the big social media challenges that you guys are facing that is maybe taking up space in your mind? I mean, I, I think definitely already in this year we, we've experienced, and I think as we go into a third year of a pandemic, um, the tiredness of COVID information, the tiredness of um, repeating the message of what are all the things that we need to do to stay safe, uh, it's, it's a challenge itself. Uh, people are tired. There is a fatigue. Um, <laughs> we had to change and adjust our lives. Um, so... Asking people to continue doing so, it's it's hard. And also from some measured campaigns that we've done and survey that we've done among the people who've seen our content and the control group, what we can see that the baseline knowledge about COVID-19 and measures, it's way higher than it was a year ago. So therefore, it's way more challenging for us to create content that is engaging and that's making impact 
with the same message that we've been saying for a very long time. Um, the nature of the virus is as is, so we need to continue um, as as our experts say, comprehensive package of measures on individual or uh, higher level. Uh, so it is it is hard, and we do understand that fatigue and the uh, um, that people want to go back to their previous lives of socializing and doing things they love or seeing people they love. So I think the main challenge is how to remain um, creative enough, interesting enough, um, and appealing to people that they continue applying all those measures that we, that each of us need to do. Yeah, it's a great piece of advice. If we continue to operate in the same way and tell stories in the same way, they get tired and people Mm -hmm. just detach So I want to ask you, we had a show last week around social media predictions for 2022, but I'd I'd love to find out what your predictions are for next year when it comes to social media. Um, So, I mean, we're seeing some changes in in, in features. For example, audio live feature is expanding, not only on Twitter and Twitter spaces, but on Facebook as well. So I, I think we can easily predict that this will be um, a feature to use in the next year. Um, as short video format was big thing this year with with TikTok, with Instagram Reels, but also they a bit enlarge now the length of the videos you can post on both, and even like Instagram Stories are are becoming a bit longer. So it's still a short video content, um, but we we see some changes there. So I, in my opinion, I think. Live features still remain um, something to uh, utilize, and in particular, audio feature, because it's also easier to connect with people. Um, It's not high technology demand, um, uh, like with some video features. And on the other side, probably short videos and creative creativity with short videos, which is often hard for us in public sector with very limited resources um, uh, to, to do so. But I guess it's a challenge uh, to take even more next year. And do you think it's now time with the success of TikTok this year and it's really evolving at pace? Do you think it's time that public sector really embrace TikTok? Um, I think uh, I think definitely. We, I mean, there are a lot of people on that platform. Um, a lot of them are young people. And if, if I look from the health sector perspective, um, it would be good to start engaging with the people as young as possible and educate them on different health issues. It's part of the health literacy and health promotion. Um, it's not just COVID, uh, but definitely it is challenging for us um, to produce content on that speed um, and quality uh, engagement um, as as TikTokers, TikTokers do. Um, so I, I guess in in the next year we would um, we should wish to have TikTokers TikTok creators in the house uh, so that we can keep up with trends. Oh, brilliant! What a way to finish, Alexandra! In 2022, we need to have some TikTokers in the house. I love it. Thank you, <laughs> thank you for having me. It was my pleasure, and I wish you all the best in in the next year. And I look forward to that research on resources. It's definitely needed. Well, listen, Alexandra Kuzmanovich from the World Health Organization, um, keep up the brilliant work. All of us really respect what you and the team are doing. 
Um, you're doing it brilliantly. You're a real shining light when it comes to digital comms and public sector. And I know that you inspire a lot of your peers and I'm always grateful that you come and be so open with your sharing. But listen, have a great new year. I hope you get home, are at home, and um, I will see you in 2022. Thank you. See you in 2022. Level up your social media skills by taking our diploma in social media, plus gain an industry qualification. Use the code socialmedia20 for a 20% discount. Visit publicsectormarketingpros.com. Well, that's it, folks. We've come to the very last episode of the Public Sector Marketing Show for 2021. What a year it's been. It's been wonderful to uh, have you with me on this journey. We launched the show earlier this year and now we've reached episode 43. There's lots of new things coming in 2022 and I hope you continue to engage with me. One of those is our social media bootcamp where we'll do a deep dive into the five core social networks and really understand what features are trending right now and I will teach you on each of those. Also coming in 2022 is our next free webinar on social media trends next year. Make sure that you register. Go to publicsectormarketingpros.com forward slash webinars. Even if you can't make it live, you can definitely, definitely uh, get the replay. We've got lots of our signature courses coming back. They're going to be updated next year. So if you're looking to complete a continuing professional development course that is industry certified, then go ahead and check out our website. Well, it's been such a thrill to launch this show, uh, 43 episodes in 52 weeks, two whole seasons brought to you from here at Sound to Light in our studio in Galway, but reaching audiences right across the world. I really want to thank you for tuning in, whether you chose to tune in on the podcast, on Facebook or on YouTube, or indeed on our website, because we actually repurpose the show because we like to practice what we preach. Before I wrap up for the year, I want to thank all the people involved in making this show a reality. While I stand at the front, it's definitely a team effort. So to my colleague Jamelia, to my colleague Angela, to all the team at Sound to Light here in Galway, they do an absolutely wonderful job. Uh, we came early with an idea to create a show that was hugely engaging, visually very appealing, and we wanted a really high standard. And that's exactly what we've delivered. Um, so it's been a total pleasure to collaborate with, with Niall and the entire team. So thank you all from us at Public Sector Marketing Institute. We are going to take it to the next level in 2022. So watch out for even better studio, even better content and even better delivery. So from me for now, happy new year. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for working with us. Thanks to all our customers. And I look forward to seeing you next year. Thank you for tuning into this episode of the Public Sector Marketing Show. This episode has ended, but your digital journey can continue. Head over to publicsectormarketingpros.com to access resources and links mentioned in today's show and to connect with Joanne and her team. Until the next time, be sure to subscribe, rate and review on your favorite podcast platform.